This is Alex Miller for the IBC Amina podcast. Um, I'm joined today, it's been an honor to hear you speak, Andreas Gregorievas, a strategist and semiotician. You've been talking about the gaming industry and the lessons that we can learn as communicators. Can you sum up what you were discussing with the audience at LI today? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I kind of made lots of points, but just to, to keep it brief, uh, I mean, the starting point for all this discussion is that, you know, gaming industry is huge and it's changing a lot, but we kind of tend to uh, pay little attention to what's happening there as if uh, it's not very cool to talk about it or to get lessons from something that we think is uh, primarily targeted to uh, teenagers and children. Yeah. Um, even though that the majority of users worldwide are actually uh, 25, 35 that generate most of the revenue in the industry. Um, but um, if we come back to the question, so we know that it's an interesting industry because it's, it's really huge, it's big, it's evolving, it's changing, it has lots of different things going on. Uh, we can take a few interesting angles there. Um, let's say one of the, how the industry itself managed to, uh, to change its product that was a single product that you buy into something that is sold as a service, like a, an evolving um, an evolving service that you buy into, you keep on paying for that, and you get updates, DLCs, you get the community support, you get content, you get content creators on YouTube uh, making stuff on it. And the game that you're playing now is gonna be a different game from the one you will be playing six months uh, after. So which means that if you don't want to miss out on the opportunity to experience something in this moment, or so you'll keep on paying for a longer period. So it means it's not, no longer just a $60 issue for you, as a, it's more like $120 issue for playing for the same, paying for the same game. So well, th this is fascinating because you were speaking about the issue of longevity. And obviously, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at games today, you know, traditionally you'd have the game release and that was, that was it. But now, you know, that has changed completely. You have the before and the after, and yes. both the, you know, before can be long, but after can be even longer. You can know, be playing the same game for years in terms of updates and changes. Yeah. So, what what does that mean for us as terms of keeping people's attention? Mm -hmm. So, what it means is, not a single company can make it alone. Mm. It all, I mean, it's entirely community-driven effort. Mm. Uh, what I mean by saying community-driven effort is that you, even before you have a concept, you have to make sure you already engage a group of people. You already start showing them concepts, early gameplays, uh, inviting them to special sessions that they ex exclusively can get. Um, after some time, you get so you start leaking. You start uh, feeding the community some material. You, just, you keep on expanding it, and you're still like two years away from a game. It's not even happening in any foreseeable you know, uh, uh, future, but you already have the community building around the concept of the game that's not even there. So that's the pre-product stage. Yeah. And what usually people, when they buy a product, they also buy, let's say, if I'm playing a new game, uh, the mechanics might be tough. I might want to know more about the characters. Uh, where do I go to? I go to Wikipedia's, I go to YouTube. If I find the community there, people commenting, making videos, uh, making update videos, making walkthroughs, making zero hit runs, all that content, and if I get that support, it kind of you know keeps pulling me back into the game. It keeps me engaged, even though that's not part of the product. But from the uh, game developer's perspective, the community and the community produced content is part of the price you pay for the game, because the game developers keep them engaged have the tools, have the incentives, have the relationships built in 
to keep the community for as long as possible. When the community comes coming out, you have less videos, you have less content, less updates. It means that the, you know, the community is moving on somewhere else. And that means that the end of the life cycle for the game. So it's actually not even the product itself. It's how it's being supported by the, the, by the players, by the streamers, by yeah. the content creators, and how well the uh, game developer manages to keep them uh, on board. And you gave a fascinating example of, of how one organization, one game company used influencers and they actually built um, you know, essentially interest from, from the ground up. Yes. You know, from small influencers, people who were streaming and then targeting people who had more followers or people who would watch you know, more, mm -hmm. more viewers essentially. So you know, what can we learn from this as, as traditional communicators who are say are working in, in the influencer marketing space? Mm, well, there was one single, very simple lesson behind that is consistency. And it had a clear principle, uh, had a clear insight. I mean, the limitation the challenge they faced was, oh, you can't get the, you know, the heavy hitters. Mm. I mean, they're too expensive. We don't have a budget for that. What do you do? But we have time. So let's build it over time with the small ups, keep, you know, increasing our game so that it would be impossible for the top tier influencers, the streamers, not to have a product reviewed and streamed. Because for them it would be, hey, everyone else is playing the exclusive game. How come we don't have access to it? Okay. So it's a simple mechanic. The only contribution, the only like, commitment they made to this, that uh, we're not going to do this overnight. It's not even a two-week project. We have three months to build the initial community support yeah. to even get the message out to the top streamers in the industry. And if you have that consistency, I mean, you can do a lot with influencer base and the community. But if you just, uh, what happens usually, let's say in a traditional industry, so you just want instant results with the influencer campaign that you start mm. from day one. You say, yeah, what's happening after a week? But it's not, not how it's done. Even the, the Nike and the other sports brands have this, you know, influencer building approach that they had all the names in Excel sheets. They know how many times do they need to meet them? When do they send them the early concepts? When do they invite them for a special showcase? So it's, it's that long-term approach. Yes. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's the way to do it. And this immediate one single transaction case where you just pay somebody for reviewing the product, showing it online for a single case, and then the same person showing another product in a five minute period. Yeah. I, I don't see any way that anybody benefits from, from this approach. And, and so what the gaming industry, the first lesson and most important one is consistency. If you, keep, if you are consistent and keep, prom, uh, keep your promises to the influence you have on board, and you actually uh, give them the ability to see more, do more with you, give them immediate access, even like whichever other industry invites influencers and, and, and communities uh, in a product uh, conceptualization stage when you don't have anything yet, but you kind of, the concept, you pitch it, mm. you involve them from that early stage and they're hooked. Yeah. I mean, they feel ownership of the content in the product you're creating. Okay. And a sense of ownership is really important. Like Kickstarter is built on a sense of ownership. Yeah. You invest in money in something that might not happen, have a 50% chance of not happening, but you feel an ownership. You get updates, you feel like you are part of the thing being built. You're part of the community. Yes. And as well with that, you also talked about the concept of rewards, which you know, is a huge part of gaming today. Um, being rewarded for the progress you're making. 
Um, so as, you know, as communicators, how can we, again, leverage these insights, you know, looking, for example, at the, this concept of rewards and gratification? How can we use that um, in areas that we, that we uh, are doing, in, in jobs that we are doing on a day-to-day basis? For example, internal comms, mm-hmm. external comms. Yeah, I think this is quite related to um, like human resource management as well. Cause, uh, and it's not like um, companies haven't be, been doing this. Like this. Let's take this one instance, the most primitive way to acknowledge the person's impact on organization, saying you have worked here for 25 years, let's give you an award. Yeah. That's a gamification. Yeah. And it just takes a very long time, 25 years to get to this point. Um, and it's sad in a sense. But if you multiply this principle of like, how do, we, um, how do we create a kind of a flow within an organization where people have milestones? Yeah. You're kind of excited to come the next week and some, some, a small step is being completed. Yeah. That, they show that, that they're being shown the impact they're making. Or they're being rewarded for something, for some engagement. And just creating the system of intermediary rewards uh, or these little gratifying moments when teams are being rewarded, with the, people are being rewarded, it is not this one year time thing. It's not even like a 10 year time thing. It's something that happens constantly, something that a system built in. Um, like, let's say this, this is something that's already being applied to referral systems. Like, mm. you don't only give a, a bo- referral bonus to a person who makes the transaction, maybe, but you also, let's say, maybe you have seasonal bonuses, which means you have your usual bonuses, but then the season begins. The season brings in additional rewards that reset every season, but incentivizes you to upgrade your performance for that specific yeah. occasion. Uh, it's a game. It's a system take, taken entirely from games like Fortnite and other seasonal um, multiplayer games, but it's being directly implemented into referral systems. Uh, uh, something that resets and renews your interest okay. in bonuses you get. It might be for selling the product. It might be for inviting other employees, or for any other related things. So, I mean, this is already happening, uh, and it's being taken out entirely out of the games uh, playbook. Okay. Well, the response from everybody here was they love your ideas, they love your concepts, and now I think it's, it's up to us to, to take those insights and, and put them into practice, especially me, because I work in the FMCG industry. So as you said at the beginning, you know, <laughs> yeah, look, we, we, you know we've got to adapt or die. So uh, thank you very much, Andreas. Appreciate it. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the Amina podcast. Yeah, thanks to you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you.